0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: everyone. Welcome to a special edition of GTP Keeper Radio. We are going to be talking with a couple of United Kingdom. Bill, what do you think about this?
2: Oh, buddy, I can't wait. This is going to be a great show. I've been looking forward to this. Uh, Like you said, we're doing uh, a special Saturday show instead of our normal Sunday time slots. Because it happens to be 2 o'clock in the morning in the United Kingdom right now, and, and our uh, friends across the pond didn't want to do the show on Sunday and then have to get up and go to work on Monday, and I don't blame them one bit.
1: Me neither. Besides, it's Saturday. We can share a beer together. Uh,
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Already done.
1: <laughs> All right. What are you drinking down there?
2: Uh, I was, I've had a couple different varieties. I had some Shiner earlier, and then I had a Corona Light, and probably going to be, uh, drinking a couple of those during the show. It's Texas, you know, we're close to Mexico. Okay.
1: Gotcha. Are those, uh, leftovers? From Carpet Fest? Uh, in fact,
2: in fact, they are indeed leftovers from Carpet Fest. Yes. Okay. It's taking me, uh, taking me a good part of the week to get my life together after Carpet Fest. Uh, <laughs> It was an awesome time. I hosted the first Southern Carpet Fest um, last Saturday, a week ago from today. Um, Mm. We had probably 35 people attend from all over North Texas, Oklahoma, and uh, our good friend Eric Burke actually flew down from Philly and spent the weekend with me, and uh, yeah, it was a very good time.
1: How awesome is that? Yes, it was uh, great.
2: This Carpet Fest thing seems to be uh, growing. Uh, They're getting ready in November to have the first Southeast Carpet Fest in Florida. They've got the Northeast Carpet Fest, the Northwest Carpet Fest, now the Southern Carpet Fest and Southeast Carpet Fest. So uh, this thing seems to be picking up some speed. Uh, although at least it, it, the one that we had down here it really should have just been called Rep, Reptile Fest because uh, there were all sorts of people uh, here, uh, with different interests, different reptiles, so it was great.
1: Very cool. And hey, you know what? That's okay. Let I think that's a great thing to incorporate people who don't necessarily keep carpets. Let's uh, let's show them what really a Community. Uh, next thing you know, they'll be hosting a carpet fest.
2: Absolutely. It's already we've got one in the books and really almost already planning uh, the second one for for next year. So very successful. We, we raised some money for USARK. Um, so it's just uh, good across the board. Right. Now, Bill,
1: you know that Condra folks are. You know, it can be a bit uh, picky with lineages. You are aware of this, correct?
0: Uh, I've we like to that
1: know history case. and lineage. I just want to remind you that if you trace the carpet back back many many years, you will find in its pedigree the predecessor, which was Carpet Fest.
2: I am very well aware of that, and uh, the people that initiated Carpet Fest, which I think you know, Eric and Owen and a few of the people on the northeast coast uh they certainly recognize that and uh they're actually proud of that fact as well they should
1: be it's uh, pretty incredible that they're sprouting up all over the country
2: yeah it's really it's really neat uh you know we had we were both lucky enough to be recent guests on gecko nation radio and right. uh, that was a really cool cool show to do you know it's been kind of a while since i've been uh, a guest and not a host on the show But one of the things that uh, Tim and Dave were very envious of, uh, not so much our animals, maybe, maybe yes, maybe no, but but, uh, they were very envious of our community.
1: I I did pick up on that. They were kind of shocked that um, you and I, in particular, had different husbandry practices, and we didn't argue over it.
2: (laughs) No, you know. Tolerance is what we preach here and that's what I tried to relay to them and uh tolerance and helping and not competing and uh doing the right thing for new keepers and just try to keep the community strong. Weed out the bad eggs.
1: I agree, I agree. So different uh in the UK keeping chondros. Any any thoughts about where that uh, may, that discussion may go later
2: in the show? Uh, no, you may have a better feel than I do um, because I, I haven't had much exposure to the um, condor community in the UK other than just, uh, you yeah. know, what, what I see on MVF. Uh, I know Gary Elliott, who's going to be one of the guests on the show, he and I had a clutch uh, last year uh, that, that laid and then hatched uh, r- literally just days apart. So we spoke, uh, quite a, mm -hmm, yes, we spoke, uh, really, it seemed, uh, almost daily. Um, in fact, I think his laid a a day or two before mine, but mine pipped a day or two before his. So, um, you know, that, that was neat. And so he was definitely getting nervous when I started to have some babies and, uh, he still had intact eggs, but, uh, his collection. But his clutch came out fine. Better than fine. Yes, it fine. did.
1: All right. So um, what do you think? Are we ready to bring uh, Luca and Garrett on and chat with them about keeping Condros in the UK? I can't okay. wait. Let's bring them on. Hello, Luca, and hello, Gary. Welcome to GTP Keeper Radio. Thanks for coming. It's
3: a pleasure, Mike, for having us.
2: Yeah, thanks, guys. <clears throat> You're welcome, guys. Guys, uh, good evening. Good morning. Have you guys been <laughs> to bed yet, or just woke up, or what, um, what's your day been like?
3: I had a little. Uh, I've had a quite a busy day actually. Woke up, had some new tanks being delivered from Germany, and then someone come to collect one of the Prince bikes for me that come over from the bar on Thursday.
0: Nice.
1: What about you,
4: Gary? How's your day? Uh oh, I've been I've been working today, so um yeah, I, I finished work, I came home. Um I'm heading out to a show in a in a few hours. So uh yeah, just tried to make some last minute preparations and then caught a couple of hours sleep.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot the not off the show's on tomorrow, isn't it? Today. It is, yeah, yeah.
2: Are you gonna are okay. you gonna go to that show, Luca?
3: And uh, no, it's a little bit far from me. Not too far, but I don't really go
2: to any of the shows over it. So many to... for me. Ah, uh, gotcha. It'll be interesting to to hear some of your guys' thoughts. Um, you know, on uh, how many shows you attend and how many shows are uh, in the United Kingdom. Uh, I just have no idea about how. Uh big the Reptile community is there, how big the shows are, uh and stuff like that. So it'll be good to get your your insight on that.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I
1: think the, with uh, you. The, the sh-
4: Go ahead, Gary. Oh, I was just gonna say the, the, the shows here aren't as uh they're not as big as some of the European shows, definitely not as big as ham. But uh, right, you know, they, they're still quite busy. But um, yeah, not not quite the variety that you find in other shows either. Uh, a lot of lot of royal pythons and, and corn snakes. Um, so yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice to go down with a group of captive bred babies. Um, the only babies that I've seen there have been imports, really. So be interesting
0: yeah, to see how that That's goes. Fine.
2: Yeah. Well, guys, let's start off by, um, you know, we like to get uh, the introductions on and then um, in case our show runs over into overtime, we kind of like to work backwards and get some contact information from you guys. Luca, why don't you start and uh, if you want to give the listeners, uh, if they want to get in touch with you, uh, if you have a Facebook page or a web page or anything like that, if you'd like to get some information out. Yeah, no
3: problem. My name's Luca Setti. That's my name on Facebook. Also, co-run a page called Arboreal Addiction on Instagram and on Facebook. I run that with a guy called Stephen Dunias. And on MBF, there's Luca89. Not, I don't go on there much, but the best place to contact me be on Facebook, I guess.
2: Very good. And, Gary, how about you? Uh,
4: yeah, pretty much the same as Luca, really. Uh People generally message me through Facebook. I'm just on there as Gary Elliott. Um, on MVF is G. Elliott, but the same. I, I don't really use the the traditional forum that much, to be honest. Um, but I have a Facebook page as well that I just made just to post pictures, really. Uh, that's Paradise Condros.
0: Oh, Nice.
1: Very nice. So, uh, we'll start with Luca. Maybe you could tell us, uh, how did you get started with Condros?
3: Well, a friend of a friend had a small collection of just locality like, condros. I'd never even seen them before. I just had a Burmese python as my first snake, and then I went around to his, through my friends, and saw them, and was just amazed, really. And I was like, I might have to have one. I started reading up on them for about six months, and then Went to a show because I didn't really know anyone who kept them or bred them to buy a baby from. Just went to a show, the Canton show that we have over here. And found one there and got one. And it all went downhill from there.
2: (laughs) 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 How long ago was that, Luca?
3: Uh, I think that was like the middle of 2011 I got my first one. Okay. little morocci baby, yellow neo,
2: and uh how many condos do you have in your collection now?
3: Uh about seventeen.
2: Yeah, boy, that's nice.
3: Next to Black and Designers.
2: Right, definitely. We uh we'll definitely want to hear more about uh uh your collection as the show goes on here. Yeah, no problem. And Gary, how about yourself?
4: Uh I'm fairly new to, uh, to keeping green tree pythons. Um, I've been keeping them for about three years. Um, they were the snake that I got back into the hobby with. I'd had a couple of years layoff. Um, I've been keeping since the beginning of the 90s. Uh, I always had kind of an eclectic collection of snakes, you know. Uh, and uh, I used to focus mainly on unusual colubrids, uh, large colubrids, you know, the oddballs. Uh, But like I said, I had a couple of years layoff. Uh, I'd previously worked with uh, green trees in in collections, uh, like a a local reptile zoo. And when when I decided to get back into it, I thought, you know, I'll I'll get into green tree pythons. And uh, I bought my first one in, I think, 2012, um, which was the Aru male. And I spent a bit of time looking for a female to pair up and got some other bits along the way.
2: Very nice. Um Gary, where where did you acquire your animals from?
4: Uh I found mine through uh just classified pages. You know, I made the decision to get into Green Tree Pythons and uh I found a Maroki uh male, uh but the deal fell through on that one. Um and it was I wanted I knew from the outset that I wanted to get locality types and an Aru came up. Uh, on, I think it was RFUK forums and, uh, he was actually in Wales. So I had a bit of a drive one night after work and picked up my first one, uh, with the intention of keeping him as a display animal for maybe a year or so before looking for a mate for him, you know, make sure I could actually do it first.
2: Sure. And uh, are the animals that you've acquired, have most of them been captive bred or are they imported animals or are you, are you not sure?
4: Um, the, the adult Aru's that I have were both bought as captive bred, but uh, without much history to them, to be honest. Um, and I have a, a Biak, subadult male uh, that, that was an import. I actually got him via the show in Germany. Um, and then the rest of the collection is is just the babies, so. right? Uh.
2: And and Luca, how about yourself? How did you come about getting uh, most of the animals in your collection?
3: Uh, well, most of them, yeah, it's the same thing. It's just it's hard to really get anything solid that you know is captive bred over here. So a lot of the stuff mostly is imported, either from Europe or even from there, from Indo.
2: Do you guys have any idea how many people are currently breeding chondros in the United Kingdom? I mean, just off the top of your head?
4: I would say not very many uh, off the top of my head. Uh, There's always people in the woodwork that that don't really participate in any of the forums or anything. Um, But, yeah, there don't seem to be very many uh, captive bred babies produced over the last couple of years. Right. Um, Especially compared to, you know, Europe and, and the States at least.
2: So, well, maybe. So um, Gary, uh Go ahead, buddy.
1: I was going to ask why why conjures when you got back into it in particular? Was it just something you've always wanted to do, or you know, yeah, you know, what, just kind of. I, okay. I so I mean, uh, like I said, I've had
4: you know a, quite a varied collection over the years. I mean, I started out with things like garter snakes and, and kings and rats and then got into like Burmese, pythons, ritics. Um I went away to study for a degree in zoology uh, while I was there. I had quite a large and varied collection. Like I say, I was into the unusual colubrids at that time, uh, but also had a, a group of emerald tree bowers. Um, and I spent time in Australia working at Steve Owen Zoo. Um and I think, like I'd, later on in, in you know my, my time in the hobby, I sort of gained a love for Australian pythons and Indonesian pythons, and um, they were one of the animals that I'd maybe worked with in collections, but I'd never had in my own private collection. So, and I thought they would be a really good animal. You know, they were so varied that I, I could work with that one species and sort of be uh, be quite happy with that.
2: Very i didn't good. realize very you had good. i didn't realize you had so much um experience uh working with reptiles i didn't i didn't know your background that's that's very nice
4: yeah yeah um like i say i am always into the unusual colubrids, a lot of the uh things like asiatic rat snakes and uh some of maybe the the rarer stuff well at least in the u k rarest stuff things like uh indigo snakes like uh I kept and bred Eastern indigos in the early 2000s, um, where not many people had them at that time. Still, even today, not many people have those. But, um, yeah, quite a few.
2: Are either of you guys familiar with uh, the history of when condros first became available in the U.K.? Uh, I mean, I know in the United States it kind of started with – Trooper Walsh and Eugene Bassett and uh, a couple of the, the founders, and that was back in the 1970s. When when do you guys think Condros became available in the United Kingdom?
3: I really haven't got a clue about that. I, I come in and yeah. got my first one and got onto RFUK, and there's already a, like, an established group of keepers on there. And any the mm-hmm. info, I've just asked them, to be honest, and everybody really right. delves back into it. There was a few people breeding. But even yeah, there just wasn't that many people. Lot, lot quite a few keepers, but not many breeders.
1: Luca, why do you think that it was mostly just, uh, I guess, I guess you know, just uh, keepers and not really breeding people? Do you think there was no interest in it, or was it just it was no? I've seen that. i seen it, seen it was
3: maybe lack of information I guess um, I'm not really sure there was there was a handful of people doing it Stuart Marcus for one over here he was breeding a ruse way back before I before I even started and there's a few other people Stuart Weston who couldn't get on it today he was keeping years before I got on here as well onto the Sanjay scene
2: okay Okay. Do you get so, uh, the sense that do you get the sense, guys, that keeping Condros in the United Kingdom is becoming more popular? It certainly is in the United States.
3: Big time. Yeah. Big time. i definitely yeah. noticed a lot more influx of people over the last couple of years. And the UK, which was the main forum in the UK, there was a, a Green Tree button thread, and it was just the same people posting all the time over the literally the last couple of years. And loads and loads more people are interested in that, which is good, but also bad because it brings people in who are just buying to sell, flipping, and bits like that. Which isn't good.
4: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think there's there's a lot of people who uh, that import and uh, kind of exploit the popularity by by bringing in cheap imports and. Unfortunately, that seems to be a lot of people's first experience with green tree pythons. Is, you know, keeping animals, uh, you know, sub quality to uh, captive bred stuff, and a lot of them I think have a bad experience with it, and maybe put them off trying it again in future, which is a shame. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we've talked about that a lot on the show before, and uh, you know. A lot of times, uh, you know, the first chance with a new species, you know, unless it's a, a positive experience, it will it will drive that person away uh, forever or or maybe for yeah. a long time. And,
3: and then uh, they then spread that information to other people, which puts them off as full site.
4: Yep. Kind yeah. of perpetuates this myth that green tree pythons are difficult,
2: you know. Uh, difficult, defensive. Uh, you've heard, you know, all of the stigma about uh the species and yeah and, uh you know you, you know as well as i do that it's uh getting a well-established captive bred animal in the right conditions that it could be the easiest of snakes to take care of they really can yeah 100 yeah yeah
4: very low maintenance compared to uh to a lot of the more commonly kept stuff
2: mm-hmm. no incredibly incredibly low maintenance just get them in the right conditions, get a healthy animal, uh and you know, just years and years of enjoyment for really minimal minimal efforts. It was uh it was the term uh you guys were probably heard us talking about carpet fest that I hosted here last weekend and, and Aaron Eric Burke and I came up with we were using the term um high end low maintenance. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah. <laughs> it's a good description.
2: Oh, yes. Buddy, I know we wanted to t- ask these guys um, have either of you been to the United States?
3: Yep, I'll come back from my little Kundra tour, well, small tour of Maryland in June.
2: Have you visited collections in the United States, Linda? <clears throat>
3: Yeah, I got to go to the farm Run oh, by nice. Christian That was amazing
2: yeah. Yes, Buddy and I both visited there
3: Yeah, it's a great place
2: Yeah, and Christian's a great guy
3: Yeah, top man also Did got you to acquire go any? out the, uh, Sorry, go
2: on. I was just going to say, did you acquire any animals from Christian?
3: Yep. I acquired one new one when I was out there uh, October times 71%, so she's Versace Sorong female from the 2013 clutch. Hopefully yeah, she'll be coming over in October.
2: In October. Wow, I know you can't wait for that.
3: Yep, well, we just had a shipment come over from the barn on Thursday as well.
2: Uh, I had heard rumors of that. What was in that box? Quite a lot of stuff. <laughs> I, had
3: my, um, I had a Prince Hans Lucy female from <laughs> 2013. Also, I had my four kids for my share of the Prince of Clutch from last year.
2: Uh, did you notice anything differently about how, I, I've seen how Christian keeps his animals, or did you notice anything uh, differently than you were keeping yours, or, or pretty um, much the same kind of stuff? Yeah, well,
3: I talk to Christian quite a lot, so I take all of his advice on board. With regards to temps and even recycling and just everything in general, he's been doing it for so Pretty long, it'd be silly not to listen.
2: Right. Gary, how about yourself? Have you traveled to the United States?
4: Uh, I've been to the States, but uh, that was just holiday. I wasn't, uh, unfortunately, not to visit uh, collections. Very jealous of uh, Luca, though. Um, he, he he was posting quite frequently leading up to his trip, making the rest of us more and more jealous. As the time approached, I'm not sorry about that. <laughs> no, <it's interesting>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Anytime, buddy, and I can have the opportunity to very nice to rub the other one's um, nose in it. I take advantage. There you go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, yes, take advantage of that. Um, so Luca you were here and, and Gary, I'm sure you know as well, because you guys are active on Facebook the most part is uh a cage that's made out of plastic that has a heat panel that's controlled by a proportional thermostat um, you, the the equipment that you have available in the u k is
3: it on your own trying to find it and make it work it has been fairly limited ive there's really only been like one or two different companies that make thermostats and It's only really been in the last year, two years that we've finally got digital thermostats,
0: yeah.
3: which is a bit of a nightmare, okay when it comes to doing my when I done my first search, I think it was at the end of two thousand and twelve thirteen. I had to manually drop the temps and up it every morning. Oh, wow. Well, I doesn't to set it on that digital. So that was not fun. That had to be done.
1: Interesting. What about as far as uh, caging? Do you guys, you know, is plastic caging pretty popular there? Um, or is it a different
3: substance or material you? Yeah, well, the only main Plastic caging we have was like close extruded P V C which was from a company okay. in Portugal called Pro Cages that then they stopped producing for about a year and everyone's now moved on or quite a lot of people have moved on to Landsover cages from Germany, which are just top quality. I I've, I've got a delivery of new three new ones today. Okay.
2: What are the dimensions yeah, of those cages?
3: Uh my ones I've got for females, adult females, I got eighty by or well, eighty eight hundred length millimetres. I don't know if you do millimetres or inches. Five hundred millimetres high, five hundred millimetres deep. That was mainly off this because I didn't always have the six hundred cubes. But then after speaking with Christian, he said about dropping the height by five hundred, that's what he would do if you got new cages just to make them closer to the water bowls basically.
2: Right, right.
1: What about for heating? How, how do you guys heat it? What's the most popular way to heat your condros?
3: Heat panels, same as you guys. Okay. Are you? But we're really is it a... no, we're really lacking on that as well. Over there, to be honest, there's one company, HubbyStar, that make them, but they're all seventy-five watts, which in my eyes is way uh, too powerful. Okay. Hmm. So it's so it's, so it's one on size and that's it. Yeah, one side and that's it. The Lando Cat
0: cages come with panels built in, and he makes them specifically to the size of the cage. Oh, that's
1: nice. (laughs) What about you, Gary? Could you maybe shed some light on uh, how you're caging your condors and and controlling temperatures and heating them? Yeah,
4: sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, like Luke said, we've been quite limited. as to you know, what's been available in the UK. Um, still, actually, when I came for my layoff from keeping reptiles, I was surprised at how things had moved on. You know, It's still fairly limited, but it was a lot better than the last time I'd been keeping. Um, heat panels were new to me. Um, that's my heating method of choice. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I haven't moved over to the Lanzo Herb cages yet, and I'm definitely looking at doing that. You know, th- these guys... Luca and, and Stephen, and, you know, they've sold it to be really well. They seem to get on with them really well. Um, I'm currently using cages by a, a UK company that were called Nonstop Reptiles, but uh, they've had problems with production over the last couple of years. Uh, currently, they're not producing anything. Uh, I quite like the cages, but um, yeah, I do want to move over to Lanzo Um My cages are minor two-foot square cages. Uh, for my adults, uh, for the male and the female, but I'll probably change the dimensions. Obviously, if I move over to Lanzo, uh, Um maybe that you know, everyone seems to be going for that trend of a little bit less height, a little bit more length in, in into their cages. So, yeah, I'll probably follow that trend. To be
1: honest. Um, okay. Okay. Good deal. Good deal. And and are you using a? Uh Know, do you know, to use a proportional, uh, digital proportional no, thermostat, no, or use an
4: thermostat to control the heat. No, no, I'm still using. Uh, I use pulse proportional uh, thermostats, okay. but my mine are quite old. They're still analog uh, thermostats that are made by Habistat. Um, right. To be honest, the thermostats I've, I've used most of the time that I've been keeping reptiles, um, but there's new, much better uh, thermostats becoming available now um, so I, I do want to try some some of the Microclimate Evo uh, thermostats uh, a lot of people have been using those saying how good they are so uh, I'm going to buy a couple of those in and, and try them out but uh, I, I keep my condos at the same temperature day and night so I don't really have that sort of worry with the we're changing the temperatures in the morning or anything like that.
2: How about your younger uh, animals, guys, uh, neos, okay. adults? Do you, do you use a rack system? Yeah. Yeah, I have a rack system for for the babies I
4: produce this year. That's actually made by Lanzo Her. Um, I had that shipped over from Germany at the start of the year. Uh, I'm really happy with it. So the, the Lanzo... Products I've used so far, I've been really pleased with. Nice.
0: Yeah, I've
3: had caught in just hearing what Gabby said about that microclimate e bike thermostats. I'm just in the process of swapping everything over to them. They're really, really, really good bits of kit.
1: Do you guys have a. Go ahead, buddy. No, go ahead, Bill.
2: I was just going to ask if they had uh, a dedicated uh, room that they keep their animals in, if they're regulating the temperature of the room, or if they're more regulating the temperature of the individual uh, cages that the animals are in. My well,
3: uh, just in the bedroom at the moment. It's nice, nice and in
2: Gary, how about you? Uh
4: well I actually just, just bought um my first house with my partner. Um so when we were shopping for a house, I, I had to make sure that I was getting my reptile room in there. So I have a dedicated <laughs> room for my f for, for my snakes. For, for yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. My partner's got she has one for her for her activities, sewing that kind of thing. And uh <laughs> I've got one for snakes but uh, I don't regulate the the temperature of the bedroom that they're in the room that they're in. Um, It's quite a warm room anyway. Um, I I find it easier to just work around the temperatures of the cages rather than try and heat whole rooms.
2: Right. Gary, I think you mentioned you don't, uh, you don't lower your nighttime temperatures, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Luca, how about you? <laughs> yeah,
3: I'll, I'll drop my temperatures at nighttime. Probably about four to five degrees Fahrenheit for adults. Right. I'll you know, just work your way down, so it's a little bit lower as you get down in the age of the actual conjure stuff depending on the wrap they're in, or. <clears throat> Most, most of mine I get from over in America and they've always had a knife drop, so there's no point changing the way they have. And like I said it just makes it easier on them if you do, when you do start to cycle them, so they will be used to that knife drop. It doesn't take such sure, big impact yeah. on them.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. We've had a lot of discussions, uh, and we always like to ask the keepers that come on their thoughts about humidity. Um, There seems to be, you know, recently some changes in how a lot of people are keeping their chondros as far as daily misting or misting twice a day. A lot of people are are misting their chondros less. Um, How do you guys address humidity in, in keeping your chondros?
3: I don't address it at all. Uh, for The last like two or three years, I don't spray it at all unless they're in shed. Okay. I'm more of a fan of getting them more hydrated over over humidity.
2: Very good. Just training
3: them, training them to use the water bowl as best as I can. Right. Which I haven't found to be much of a problem.
2: And let me ask: How often do you provide fresh water? How often do you change the water bowl? Every other
3: day. Every
2: other day. Yeah. Nice. And Gary, how about you? Um,
4: I've, I'm still a little bit uh, in the dark ages with this one. I, I still missed my uh, chondros. Um, I have moved more towards more infrequent spraying. Um, when I first started with green trees, I was I was misting daily. Uh, Now it's more like two or three times a week, Um, and I don't miss the animals directly anymore. Uh, I spray around the cages, not the animals, Um, and I find that, like Luke said, it's uh, miles more important for them to be drinking from the water bowls than from the bodies. I find that they drink more if they go to the bowl than than they do if you spray them. I find it hard to spray them enough for them to uh, drink off the coils without Maybe, you know, waterlogging the cages, that kind of thing. Um, Right. But the same, yeah, I spray more when they're in shed. That's typically because I find that uh, they become a lot more inactive during shed and they don't come down to the water bowls as much. So just to make sure that they are drinking, I I spray them more heavily. And I keep the babies a little bit more humid as well than the adults.
2: I would say I follow your regiment pretty closely, and we've talked before. A lot of it depends on your ambient uh, conditions. Um, Yeah. You know, if you live in a very dry area, you may need to provide uh, some supplemental uh, humidity in the air, uh, in the cage. Uh, But, yeah, yeah, I think Buddy and I will certainly agree that uh, fresh water, uh, a large water bowl uh, will certainly help in getting your chondro to, to drink and stay hydrated. Yeah, Sure.
3: You spray, you spray them directly, which quite a lot of people do. They basically got water there when they being fed with a silver spoon. They're not going to go looking for anywhere else if it's yeah. on them. And like you said, when they go to the water bar, they do drink for a good minute, most times. Which they can't do that on themselves, drinking off themselves. They, to, they get a few water droplets, and that's about it. Right,
2: right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something uh, everybody likes to talk or see their their snakes eat, but there's nothing that's more enjoyable than when I get to catch my chondroes drinking out of the water bowl. It, uh, it's really, I really like that.
3: Yeah.
4: Yeah, it's good for keeping them active too, yeah. Yeah, definitely.
3: I came up with a method actually that kind of just works pretty much on every chondro I've had. When they when they don't drink from the water bowl, I just get say a plant pot upside down, put the water bowl on top of it, elevate it up to where their favourite spot is until you see them drinking from it, and then gradually over a few weeks cut the plant pot down so it drops down at like an inch or so every week, and they just follow it down and by the time it's on the floor they haven't even noticed it's moved, and now they're just naturally going down to the water bowl they know where it is. That's
2: a- that's very a great good. idea. Great thought. Yeah,
3: yeah it is. I've,
2: I've not, I've not heard of, heard of that before. I've heard of the elevated water bowls, but not the uh, incremental uh, lowering. That's that's a very good idea.
3: Yeah, I find if you keep it up higher, it, it, it gets stale quicker. Even though I change it every two days, but I don't like it up there really. Sometimes you get that film on the top.
1: Right. <laughs> the the good old biofilm. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. It's a good old biofilm. Got to love it. Um, so um, you guys have been, you know, around the condor community for a little bit of time, and we kind of, at least during the stage, we've kind of shifted some of our husbandry techniques. I think big feeding uh, small rats or even rats. To chondros to just you know strictly uh, a mouse diet. Do you guys uh, what are you guys feeding over in the UK? You guys doing the rats? Are you doing mice? Doing something else? Yeah, I'm, I'm strictly mice. Okay. Just you hear all the stupid about, about
3: the rats course hair and right, <clears throat> right. Was that you, Gary?
4: Uh, yeah, I, I strictly feed uh, mice these days, too. Um, I used to feed uh, small wean rats, um, but what I found with those uh, was that they'd, they'd go to the toilet less often, or, you know, uh, the, the time between defecation seemed to increase when I was feeding rats. I didn't seem to have any real issues with it, didn't have any real problems, but, um uh, I kind of like them to have more frequent bowel movements if possible. So yeah, I, I feed strictly mice now.
2: Buddy, is that what you're currently doing? Are you strictly a mouse feeder now?
1: Mouse feeder now. I'm yeah. I am a professed, reformed, overfeeder. <laughs> 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 well. Um, recognition
2: is the first. Recognition is the first step, so, buddy. We'll...
1: But uh, <laughs> that's true. Though so I will share with you the last time that Christian was here, Christian Stewart. Um, he did ask me if I was actually feeding my condors anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so,
1: which made me think, well, maybe I went too far to the other extreme. I'll get that feedback. Get, get that experienced eye from another from another keeper. Um. So, yep. But just mice. What about you, Bill? Are you, are you do you mix things? I do mix it up a, up, a little or are you using bit mice, chicks, or rats.
2: I, I mix it up a little bit with my adult females. My my males and all my yearlings, uh, youngsters, babies are all strictly on mice. But my adult breeding females, about every fourth time, I'll throw in a small rat. Especially right before the breeding season.
1: Very interesting. Um, Real quick while we're talking about feeding, I know Bill and I actually attended the Northeast Carpet Fest and had, or at least I think you were there with me, Bill, had a very interesting conversation with you. Microbiology does medical research. And um, he was curious about keeping chondros because he, at one point, had kept chondros, and he was kind of hypothesizing that he thought maybe, you know, we'll we'll get an animal, you know, just all of a sudden develop a respiratory infection. And he was kind of wondering if maybe we're losing something by not occasionally offering a fresh kill, uh mouse as a prey item to help their intestinal microfauna population at a good healthy level to actually help with their immunity. You guys have any thoughts on that or
3: hey, it makes sense.
1: We, do, we don't even care to talk about it maybe. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah I mean, it does make... obviously must be a, a lot better for them than just strictly mice uh, obviously yeah, it would hold ground.
2: it does right. make sense to you know to okay. occasionally uh offer that that live uh pre killed animal to you know to um uh, to, to present that uh the gut flora in the in the mammal it makes sense you're not mm. going to get that in a in a frozen specimen for sure yeah
4: Yeah. uh i know i know a friend of mine that um I, i studied with uh we did our degrees together he's actually now the head of reptiles at london zoo and uh when i visited him last year he told me that all of the reptiles there are now are now uh fed on fresh killed everything is fed exclusively on fresh killed animals so uh it's probably nice uh, when you're London Zoo. You can actually order, you know, that many <laughs> rodents have been freshly killed for you and brought in. But, uh, yeah, it makes sense.
1: It makes a lot of sense. they're doing
2: uh... Yeah, Gary. Uh, why do they say that they're doing it?
4: Uh, I, I think a lot of it's uh, just. Trying to get get that thing that you were talking about That sort of natural gut fauna um, I know London Zoo Are currently conducting A, a lot of research into Different asp- aspects of uh, More natural Reptile husbandry um, I know that they're doing Doing a lot with uh, Ultraviolet light research with, uh, with the tortoises there And um, Yeah he, he just told me that, that That's what they do now so nothing's fed on uh,
2: frozen thawed anymore. Wow. In- interesting, interesting. It would uh, You know, there have been a lot of animals kept in a lot of collections that have been offered nothing but frozen thawed uh, rodents their entire lifetime and have, have seemed to, to do well. Yeah. Um, it would be nice to see a study. Animals yeah. uh, fed just strictly purely frozen thawed versus uh, fresh killed. That would be very interesting uh, in terms of mm. respiratory infections and uh, all yeah. sorts of different parameters you could measure. Uh, you know, breeding and lots of stuff. Yeah, lifespan. Yeah. You also have
3: to uh, breed them, breed them much yourself, and not actually what you're feeding them.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. Very good point. Uh, we were talking a little bit. I, I'd like to maybe take this uh, opportunity to to learn a little bit more about your collection. We hit on a little bit, Luca. Uh, why don't you tell us what you currently have, uh, locality or designer types, or what your what, what uh, you're really into, what your and what your goals are for uh, for breeding in the future.
3: Well, I started with uh, Calico from Marshall and Barry and Andrew Kelly's, Darren, and the OV Junior at Times, MMO 607, that's from 2012. And I've just, ever since reading Greg's book, my favourite has always been Calico. So I'm pretty right. heavy, heavy on the Calico and everything I've got. I've got a few other things as well, but mainly the Calico. And I've got some locality females to outcross them to. When they're ready to go. Yeah. So you really know, to some... how... Sorry, go on.
2: Uh, what kind of locality females do you have?
3: I've got a couple of buyouts, a womanina, if I'm allowed to call it a womanina. Right. Um, I've got a high yellow sarong, which I have a a lemon tree that comes by, which I'm hoping will end up being male, but I can put with the high yellow sarong across the two high-hello lines could be interesting I think not another
2: four yes, very so it's a yearling you haven't not big enough to sex yet
3: no, not yet it's still at Woodbrook yeah. just waiting on shipping details
2: okay, right hopefully that'll be here soon fantastic and Gary, how about you? obviously we know about your your ruse. Congratulations on that clutch.
4: Oh thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Um that's predominantly what I have at the moment is the uh the ARUS. Um but I also have um a BIAC as well. Um I'm hoping to over the next couple of years uh, you know get some more uh locality types. Um and uh, I think um, I had to get a, a red VIAX so that Luke would be interested in, in some of our animals. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, i was, uh, i was, uh, really Yeah, he is totally, yeah. Uh, um, I think he was the only person that didn't comment on uh, on my yellow clutch. <laughs> <laughs>
0: is
3: that
1: true, Luca?
0: No, I know of. <laughs>
3: well, I have uh, an accident on purpose, but I have a conjo So I'm strictly red. So I have one yellow in the collection. One that was yellow now in the collection, and that's it. That's as far as it's going to go. <laughs> okay.
1: I have a, a question for you. Um, you said you have a high yellow sarong. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the high yellow surroundings that are available to you guys in the
3: UK, where they're coming from, and all that stuff. Well, I was really lucky to get it, really, because I've never even heard of the guy. I just saw a video on uh, YouTube. I think it was like a German reptile channel. And they went to this uh, man's house, or to his facility, called Stephen King, (laughs) lives over in the Black Forest area in Germany. And I just nowhere had any contact details for him mm-hmm. or anything. Could not find anything about him at all. And then I was buying a, a Bayak, a captive catch Bayak, that me and from Stefan Dolls in Germany. And he had a few high-yellow animals, and I asked where they were from. And it just happened to be that his friend is the nephew of Stefan King, so that's how I managed to get one.
0: Okay. So
1: I was quite lucky on that front. And so... Yeah, there's a few videos on there. On YouTube. Whoop. Is this, this stuff, is the first time I'm curious to the, the background? On there, on the high-end strong?
3: Yes, on the, on the strong. Uh, I think he's been working with working with high yellow sarongs for about 10 years as far as I know and there's obviously there's been wow. a few high yellow lines in Europe you the glacier line was producing a few high yellows as well, as well as that crazy glacier animal that everyone always used to obsess over whether it was actually a condo or not and then you've got the high yellow blue line right. in Europe quite a few quite a yeah. few yeah. locality lines that really could be classed as designer high yellow lines. They just work sure. because Europeans are quite locality purists, and quite a lot still are. They never got called names like the designer lines do in America. But they're just as worthy, I think, of it.
1: Definitely, I agree. Um, so I actually think uh, I. Brought, I had an animal like collection that actually had traced its lineage back to uh, high yellow sarongs in, in a yellow, but it had an interesting uh, patch on it. It was about the size of uh, maybe a US silver dollar. Yeah. It was a nice big yellow patch. And I know it was interesting because it wasn't just, everyone kind of assumed like, it was from um but that, that animal came from Yan Nizik, and uh, you know I wasn't able to really you know contact him and a couple of times, and you know I was able to communicate through email with him about his animals. But it was kind of very interesting. High yellow sarongs. Um, I think if you were to present that here in the states, I think people would say, no, no, that that can't be. That's wrong. That, that would have to be a pioch or a,
3: or a designer animal. Yeah. Whenever I do post photos of her, she tends to get more likes than all my designer animals. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> um, Luca, have you have you bred your chondros yet?
3: Yeah, in 2012, I bred at the end of two, well, 2012, so that's 13 season. I've read a canary male to a Kofu female. And I managed to get what? 10 eggs, five went bad right away, five went full-term, one was a, say a little deformed, he had about half a head, that wasn't very good. And I had four, four babies, but one of them fed right off the bat, and the rest of them were just runners, and I just couldn't get them started.
2: Do you still have those animals?
3: No. Well, the one the one that was feeding, no. I sold to someone on RFUK. I'm not in contact with them anymore.
2: Okay. And uh, Gary, what about you? Sorry. I uh, uh, I know you've produced the clutch of a roots. Was that your first first uh, successful attempt at breeding condors?
4: Yeah, yeah, that was um, for the 2014-2015 season. Yeah, that was my first attempt at breeding green tree pythons. Um, and, you know, I, I couldn't have been any luckier, really, that you know, it was a textbook uh, breeding season for me. So
3: I was very, very happy with that. one of the best looking eggs
0: I've ever, ever seen as well. Y- yes. Yeah, a couple I was of people said it, that.
2: Gary, did you cycle uh, prior to the breeding season? Did you? How did you prepare for the breeding season?
4: I did, yeah. Um, I only got the female at the beginning of last year, um, so she had a, a couple of months uh, quarantine. Um, but she, she feeds like a champ, you know. Um, she settled in very, very quickly, um, and then over the summertime over here out summer, uh built them up, uh, made sure they were well-fed. Uh, my male typically goes off feed around about the end of October, uh, whether I'm cycling him or not. Um, so around that time, that's when I started to cycle the temperatures. Once he went off feed, uh took his lead from it, and uh, uh, I spent a few weeks gradually lowering the temperatures down and, and then introduced them, I think, at the end of November. Uh, it was very, very quick, uh breeding uh, attempt you know from introductions uh to the female ovulating was about 4 weeks I think. just over 4 weeks so yeah
2: i i was talking earlier on the show that the the clutch that you produced and the clutch that i produced they were really mirror images of each other uh yeah, timing yeah. wise timing wise same thing for me <coughs> Minimal... I, Two copulations in a three-week period in, that I witnessed, and it's ovulated three weeks after the first infection.
4: Yeah, yeah. I think our, our I, clutches were like a, a day apart or something like that, weren't
2: they? Yeah. Well, I was talking about that. I think my your eggs laid first, but mine pipped first. Yeah,
4: yeah. I, I remember we had a we had a bet on, didn't we, about who was going to pip first. I think you had some kind of voodoo spell on it or something. You are holding mine back.
3: You must have been sweating on his pip first.
2: <laughs> oh, he was sweating big time. I can tell you he contacted, me. Yeah, he contacted me a couple times. Do you think I should pip, you know? But mine pipped early. I think mine was day 49 or something.
4: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mine yeah. Uh, the first pipped on day 52, I think.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, good good stuff. And then I, I just uh, I know we've all seen. Uh, I think Buddy has seen your feeding video was incredible. One of the best feeding videos yes. I've ever seen.
4: Oh, the the one with the uh, the tricky baby. Yep. Very
0: yeah. good. Very yeah. very good.
4: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I actually made that in response to um, there's a guy who does the rounds on Facebook, uh, Nia Kaufman. And and I think he had produced one baby and he was having a really hard time. And I knew that feeling, you know, that that when panic sets in, you know, after several weeks of failed attempts and uh, I'd sort of stumbled across some, some techniques that really worked for me. You know, I struggled on for weeks and weeks and when I hit this little technique, uh, everything just fell into place and I showed him it and he had a couple of tries at it. And, you know, good on him his baby's feeding now so Yeah I saw that I think it was last well week
3: wasn't
4: it? Yeah, yeah so I think I was happier than he was, you know.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, very it's, it's a good
1: feeling very, to be able to help good. someone. That's uh, yeah it's a good resource oh, yeah. too. I mean there's so Gary, what is the response then to you know, you're obviously, got a clutch of chondros, um, you, you, you know, you you posted that, the video of, of you, you know, trying to get that difficult baby to feed, you know, to you from, from the, the reptile keeping community in, in the United Kingdom, if any. Uh, yeah, it, it's,
4: I've had such nice comments, you know, uh, Genuinely, the happiest time I've had keeping reptiles. Um, a lot of the guys like Luca and Stephen and Stuart, um, you know, the support networks, well, it's uh Everybody seems to have like positive comments and lots of encouragement. Um, and not, not just in the UK, you know, guys from the States as well. Uh, everybody really. Anytime you post a picture, you get likes, you get comments, a lot of uh, personal messages on Facebook. Um, I think I think my uh, friends list doubled uh, since I got my, my arrow clutch. So, uh, they've made me more popular. Yeah.
2: That's the one now thing you... we can always. I was going to say that's the one thing we can always count on, uh, and I've experienced the same thing, Gary. So much help. In the community, yeah. uh, you know, I just couldn't be able to keep these things and breed these things uh, without, you know, I could list a dozen people that have helped me, uh, you know, do something that, that I just wanted to do for a long time. And, uh, you know, without their help, it just it wouldn't have gotten done.
4: Yeah, no, yeah I can relate to that a lot. Um, You know, sometimes, I mean, some of the forums, uh, you ask for help on certain things and you might get a a blank response, but I think you can kind of pick and choose the the right forums and once you're on those, you don't even have to ask for help or, you know, a little bit of um, encouragement, it just just comes your way. I know when I built my incubator, I was having a little bit of trouble uh, settling the temperatures down. Uh, I was pulling my hair out over it, and then Greg,
3: Steven, I I to, Greg you know, Stevens. Greg Stevens. we worked to that one,
4: didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He just he sent me some nice messages, and you know, really straightforward. a really simple solution. You know, I think I was looking for the most complicated solution I could find to, to a fairly minor problem. Um, what, did the, he, uh, what did he end up?
2: What did he end up telling you? What, what made uh, the difference?
4: It, it basically, uh, I, I was struggling with getting uh, the temperatures even right the way through the chamber of my incubator. Um, And I I tried lots of different things, you know, moving the the fans away from the walls, things like that. Um, And Greg just popped up and just, uh, just a few words in the sentence. He said, turn one of your fans around. (laughs) And that was it. Uh, So I turned, I turned one of the fans around and 40 minutes later, it was, it was all good. Nice. Yeah. But I've spoken to him a few times about a couple of other things, like when uh, I was establishing the babies, and he was a really helpful guy. Uh, very generous with his time.
2: That's fantastic. I love to hear those kind of stories.
1: <clears throat> so, Gary, you are headed to a reptile show, which is, Tomorrow for Bill and I, but today for you. Um, yeah. yeah. What do you think uh you know, having you know UK captive Fred Condros, available at a reptile show, um, you know, w- w- what do you think the reaction is going to be?
4: Uh, I think I'm gonna have a lot of tire kickers. Uh, right. <sighs> yeah seems to have been I mean once I got the eggs I was inundated with messages you know I, I definitely want babies you know I want two three four of them uh, the amount of deals I've had with people you know when 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 they uh, I, I wouldn't take uh, deposits on them until the eggs hatched I didn't want to jinx anything uh, sure the of babies. once the babies hatched and I got in touch with people uh, you know it was all of a sudden oh well now's not a good time for me or you know I've seen them cheaper as uh, a common one at the moment. So, yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, How How many are you going to keep and how many are you going to sell, Gary?
4: Um, Well, at this rate, I'll be keeping 17 of them.
0: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But uh,
4: not a bad thing. That will will Uh, not be the case, I assure you. No, no, I've, I've. I've said, you know, even if I did end up keeping them all, I, I wouldn't care. Uh, when, when I was setting up my boxes to take to the show, I was uh, I was thinking, hey, you know, some of these guys might not be coming home with me. You know, that, that was yeah. uh, a strange feeling. But, uh, no, I, yeah. I picked out uh, one definite hold back for myself I wanted to keep. And uh, there's another one or two that if they don't sell... Uh, they're a little bit behind the rest, so I haven't made them available yet. Um, I may keep them for myself as well. Um, we'll see how it goes.
2: Well, we obviously wish you all the best, all the luck uh, at the show. I I just can't believe you you just have a having a hard time uh, selling those animals. They're just I think maybe you know it's starting to catch on more in the United States as the word's gotten out that um, it's worth paying a little bit more for a captive yeah. bred animal than an yeah. imported uh, animal that's more likely than not to have parasites, need to go to the vet, get sick, die, be uh, defensive or aggressive. Um, yeah. that's, it's just going to take a little time for that message to propagate, yeah. maybe. Yeah,
4: yeah. I think, I think people don't realize that they'll probably spend that kind of difference that they will save by buying imports. They'll probably spend that at the vets. You
0: yes. Know. <clears throat> and the uh, rest.
4: Yeah, and the rest, especially in the UK. I mean, vets uh, vets are very expensive uh, in the UK, uh, especially you know exotic specialists, um, which there aren't many of, unfortunately. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's 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 hard, it's hard work educating people to to that fact. You know, in our well, mind, it is a fact. You know that.
3: Uh, I I actually only just got my first UK captive breast, mate, about two months ago.
2: Could you say that one more time, Luca?
3: Sorry, yeah, I was going to say, I've been keeping since 11 or 9, and two months ago, I bought my first UK captive breast.
2: Is that right? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Just because nobody produces
2: reds. Right. Well, I've I've so, talked about this on the show before the the way that you promote that and the way that you get the word out to people that aren't on the forums or aren't in the Facebook condo groups is you go to the shows. And yeah. there's a lot of tire kickers there, um but in the long run it will pay dividend uh to attend those shows and show your animals and educate the people yeah. about the differences. Yeah.
4: I'm only taking a small group to the show with me um, and that, that's my primary reason is actually just to meet people and, and show them, them in person and and talk to them about them um, and see how that goes. Yeah, yeah I think many people... Hopefully, people hopefully can, some of don't. They don't.
0: Go ahead, Luca.
3: No, I was going to say, I think you'll get quite a big gathering around your around your table because you don't get them in the show to so. You might get that odd one or two, but if you've got a, a batch of your own produce, I think you'll have quite a, people,
2: a flock of people that you'll be able to talk to. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, I would think so. I would think so too. And uh, I've had many occasions uh, going to shows. Gary, yeah, you have it. Go ahead, buddy.
1: No, go ahead, go, Bill.
2: I was just going to say I've had many occasions on shows where. Tire kickers will come ask a lot of questions about by an animal, but then a month later call me when they decided they want one. You know, they want to get one, you know, an animal for me because I've spent time with them, educating them, and they can, you know, they can tell on a firsthand uh, meeting, so you know, passionate about the animals. And so, even if you don't sell them at the show, you're still meeting people, getting the word out, and that's important.
1: So, so Gary, my question is: Do you anticipate at uh, the show? Do you, do you think there's going to be some some wild card condors there? Um, and you know, how people you know, to maybe take a few minutes to talk to you and consider investing in something of a higher body animal like like yours?
4: Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been to this particular show a couple of times, and um, there is usually uh, a guy there, I think he's from Germany, uh, and he, he deals in imported chondros. I mean, amongst other things, I think he has a lot of uh, chameleons and things like that there, uh, but he generally has um, uh, imported chondros. Um, is that Freak Night? Yeah. Freak Night is
3: it? Yeah, the one of the MDF cages. Yeah. makes some work. Yeah, c-
4: yeah, it could be him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
3: I've seen him at show t- quite a lot.
4: Yeah, I have not spoken to him uh, personally. Last time I went, he was uh, <laughs> he was showing somebody. I know Rue actually. Uh, uh, I think it was probably about two years old, something like that. He was talking to somebody about it. But, you, uh, you know, I don't know what information he gives out. Uh, that's, that seems to be one of the big problems here is uh, stuff that gets mislabeled uh, or misrepresented as captive bread when it's clearly imported stuff. So, Right.
1: It's quite it difficult. still happens here in the U.S.,
3: unfortunately.
1: Yeah. I was I mean, speaking to someone
3: the other day who went to the Ham show in Germany because he said like uh, last weekend, and he said about... Asking one of the breeds what well, so called breeders does it have any designer blood in it? And he said, He said it might do. <laughs> 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 it's, uh, I
4: don't know. I think people may be a little bit short sighted. So, uh, so, what is the.
1: People uh, aren't expecting to see UK captive bred condors at a show, that it's kind of a new new thing and maybe a little bit of disbelief or do you think, you know, that, that you think, how do you build upon, uh, you know, someone like Gary's had some success with his chondras and he's able to make these available to the UK buying public. How, How do you, how do you build upon that success uh, is there a, a strategy to keep you guys together and like say, hey, you know, you know, wh- how should we handle this situation or what can we do? To- well, me and a few other guys about a month ago started promoted like our animals. I know one thing you guys have done. Okay, uh, so we we dropped Luke up, but he'll join us back in a minute. No, no, John- I'm, I'm still here. Luca's here. Yeah, I'm still here. I'm sorry. So, okay, good, Luca. Okay. Okay. Um, So maybe Gary dropped. Um,
3: Tell us about your thing you'd set up on Facebook. Yeah, well, we literally sat there, a few of us guys, four of us sat there and had a talk about really trying to promote the UK captive black and trying to avoid people going to the employers and stuff. So we set up a... UK conjoy classified page. But like I said, nice. there's really not that many people producing over it. There's been a few. So there's only been a few people posting on there so far. Gary being one of them. And another Gary Cockleston as well from over here, which right. is a clutch of bike time cyclots. Which are really nice.
1: So what is the so you you guys got the, the UK Captivore and Condo page with stands- What's the feedback then? Um, have people been saying, you know, well, you know, there's not, really not too many chondros being produced in the UK right now? Could we? How,
3: how's it all working out for you guys?
1: Uh, well,
3: as Gary said, he hasn't really sold any so far. But because you've got a few shops, we've got a shop, uh, Crystal Price, that even bought some Bushmaster, which I, even I would admit I've had a few from there. They're kind of like Ryan Berkey's. They're getting them in and they're a trusted source of getting them. So quite a lot of people get from there, which I can't really say anything bad about them. I've never had a problem with anything from there. It's nice to get the unusual ones. We just really really can't get over it. Like I said, we sat on a page and then I thought, I practice what I preach. So I went and bought a UK captive bird a a couple of months ago. Uh, what was it? A rude time, sarong, with the Went out to visit the guy and called Who, who produced sorry, that? collection And the Neonites No, okay. on. Very good. Very good.
1: Has Gary been able to get back on? You know, what? What do you? Yeah, we got Gary back on. He is back here with us. Great. Um. Actually, uh,
2: now Lucas says he's dropped. Are you
1: here with us? Lucas dropped, but gets here, right, Gary?
2: Looks like it's just you and me, buddy.
1: Okay, well, (laughs) the uh, (laughs) that happens. You know,
2: we got to be prepared to roll. Technology is
1: amazing. I mean, I think. That, that's it. I mean, you know, here we are chatting over the Internet with two condor. You know, pretty amazing technology in its own right. And sometimes it fails us. So we just we'll, we'll go with it. But um, and a few other people, Gary's involved, um, a couple other condor keepers from the U.K., Stuart Weston. They uh, do a U.K. captive-born and bred Um And, you know, of course I'm a member, not, not that, I'm, that I live in the UK, but I think it's interesting to see what's going on, you know, with our receivers. Kudos to those guys. I mean, it, uh, it sounds to me like a, a majority of the animals come from imports. Um, and, it, you know, they're willing to stick to their guns and only include captive bred animals on the Facebook uh, you know, page the, the community there is growing and is healthy and you know sees things very similarly to the way we see things go all over
2: It seems like a very similar evolution to what happened uh, in the United States and you just have to, you just have to keep at it and keep getting your message out over and over and and the the general public will come around and will realize that uh, you're far better off getting a captive bred animal than an imported animal.
1: The strange part is is that um, I've noticed here, at least in the U.S., a lot of people have interest in locality-specific animals, um, but they also want them to be Locality specific animals that have been specifically a lot of people are interested in a ruse. So, you know, here's Gary right. in the UK. He's got all the ruses available. I bet if he was here in the states, they would probably, you know, he'd be, he'd be at the uh, FedEx sorting the ruse uh, out.
2: No doubt about it. I mean, yeah, they're a at least in the United States, are probably the most popular locality type animals. Um I I would say by far. That's a I hear everybody, you know, wanting uh Aru locality types and you know, uh two years ago I produced a small Aru locality type clutch and those things were uh you know, they were just gone immediately.
0: <clears throat> right. Also, I don't I don't right. think
3: there's really nowhere near enough people producing by True VX. Yeah. Which is So no one over right there is doing pure BX. BX. I don't think anyway, even in you know, over with you guys, I don't see anyone doing it.
2: Everybody wants to cross their BX yep, emails yep. with general yep.
3: yeah, animals. Have, I should have
1: everyone yeah, yeah, no wants
3: to bring with a normal BH. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm one of those people. Uh, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but, but but I will say, <clears throat> I did do a, a B.I. clutch in 2011, and I was advised not to do it. Um, really? I was, you know, they said, you're, you know, you're going to have to sell them farm bread prices. And to be honest with you, I'm okay with that. thought, so, well, you know what, you know, if someone wants to buy a BIOC, I'd rather than pick up a BIOC from me for the same price, And you know, for yeah. someone who's, you know, maybe it is a farm-bred baby, but maybe that's, that's just, you know, one of the fastest animals I've ever sold. I mean, I put them up for six, and literally within a couple of days, they were all gone. And then I, had, of course, had seller's remorse, like, ah, I should have kept more back. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so see, um, did you, you see
3: Brian uh, Fisher post up his photo of Dirty Girl today his Diablo bike hi yes yeah, he's, awesome uh, he's doing a pure VF pairing with her right it's pretty exciting just probably the best Diablo clutch ever that, the Diablo
1: bikes I agree I agree fantastic Condro yes yeah. um,
3: yeah. and so, so he's got a mail as well I think which is really nice
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. He, uh, you know, he was, a you know, a very, very cool snake. Um, uh, Diablo with one of my BX females. And unfortunately it didn't work for us, but, um, what do you guys think, you know, in the UK, do you see, uh, we were, we were kind of chatting about how in the U S you know, it's are popular, obviously you know, locality type animals. What's the consensus, or what's the feeling in the UK? So you
3: know, animals are definitely more popular, or you know, designers. Well, designers, yeah, definitely getting more popular. But the last few years, there was only a couple of people getting the imports, getting their designers imported. The the shipment we had on Thursday, was fully about six or seven people, maybe a couple more, who had something on there. So they're definitely getting more popular.
2: Yeah, that's great. Okay.
3: More people are willing to to spend the money. Okay. What
1: about you, Gary? Have you, you know, what's what's your is, yeah you know, more time to have a good place there. Okay, so Gary's and we're not hearing Gary right at the moment. So, so, Luke, you said you guys recently got a shipment in from from the from the US were they yeah, the uh, how does
3: that work for you guys you got it from the barn what's the process how does that work well Stephen Donias, <coughs> my uh one of the other uh, control keepers over here he was be working on all the import stuff so we've, we we don't need permits or anything for the import so we can just go to an agent basically and they handle everything for us we <coughs> said it went really smoothly just due to Christian and the barn's paperwork being spot Everything was perfect, so it went really smoothly.
2: <clears throat> How long does that paperwork need to, uh, you know, to be in place before what the that? animals can be shipped?
3: Um, I think once, once the U.S. side, the site's side paperwork comes in, we get a copy sent over here. It all gets overpaid by the agent. It's then just waiting for the right time to ship. Okay. I don't think it's a long process, as long as the paperwork's all good. But I've been nominated to handle the next one, which is coming in October, so we'll see how that goes.
2: Fantastic. Good luck with that.
3: Okay, from Europe. That again, it
1: kind of dropped out a little bit. Yeah, no worries. Um, so, if you want to be a buyer in, in Germany or France, or if you want to purchase a condo from someone from Germany or France, how, how does that work for you? Is, is it, uh, you know, how does it work? Are you able to do it like an overnight shipping, or does it require paperwork, international shipping paperwork? curious
3: how that works for you guys. Uh, normally, we could go and meet them over there. It doesn't really take that long to get there, in all honesty. You can... I went the Ham okay. show once in Germany, and it took a five-, six-hour drive. The Halton show, which no. is my more preferred show, up in next to Amsterdam, is only a four-, four five-hour drive also. And quite a lot of people who are selling stuff will say, oh, I can meet at this show or this show. Once I had an animal couriered over from like a UK reptile courier, who was going over to the show, so I organized it with him to collect and then drop off to me. That went all smoothly as well. It's not that Okay, hard.
1: so you, <clears throat> you utilize a courier to do that
3: for you? Yeah, like a specific reptile courier. I don't think we can ship reptiles over here through like, say, FedEx like you guys can. Okay. No yeah. that I know of anyone
2: anyway. We're very we're very lucky and I think sometimes we take that for granted. Uh the United States is obviously a very large country, but the ability to ship overnight um I think has helped uh you know be able to expand the uh, Green Tree community very rapidly.
3: Yeah, definitely. England and England's really really small. You can drive from one end to the other in about six, seven hours. So if you if there's something you really, really want, you can just drive and get it.
2: Right. <clears throat> what else do we have for these guys, buddy? I don't want to I don't want to keep them too long.
1: Um uh, well you know, while we got here, let's talk about you guys said that uh for years and years there were the same Few people posting in the uh, the forums over there that kept condras and like, what do you attribute the recent popu- surge in popularity? As much as I think in the UK to Facebook.
3: <clears throat> okay. Okay. Uh, I mean just-, Sorry, just quick, just quick, easy access to photos and to talk to people it's a lot easier in the forums MVF, like, yeah, like MVF will always be like a library of information but literally for just quick quick chatting and communicating with people Facebook's always going to be better yeah I'd agree with that Yeah, I would a, never have met and spoke to anyone from the US or the other countries about it
1: Okay. So definitely you. you're tri- Did you have something to I add to that, Gary? Sorry, say again? I said did you did you have something? Did you have something to add Uh, to that with
2: the uh, popularity of... Yeah,
4: I was just going to say, I think a lot of it seems to be down to Facebook. Just like Luca said, you know, you've got those instant responses now and, uh, you know, uh, just one or two places where everyone comes together and shares those pictures and experiences and... uh, you know the community's become a lot more
2: tightly knit i think uh because of it yeah we 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 have the same similar uh feelings about okay. it here and and most of the guests that we've talked to have the same feeling it's the m v f it's a wealth of knowledge, but if people are not continuing to input into that database there then the knowledge quickly gets lost so we try to promote uh, continuing to use the forum if you want to uh share a picture of your animal it's great but um certainly a lot of the questions or uh you know just information like gary you know your the success of your aru clutch you know that's that's a great topic for an mvf post you know you and uh i did that with my clutch you know just put as much data on there as you can uh you know yeah. what you did to cycle uh you know when you saw a pairing when, you know when you saw ovulation uh how many eggs hatched what temperature you incubated in that when did they pip i mean all that stuff is you know it's good information that isn't lost when you post it on the mvf
1: Yeah, sure. So so what ha- what do you see as the future for condros in the United Kingdom?
4: What do you think, Gary? Can I just say that one more time?
1: Can you say that one more time? So, so you know, you've, you've... Sure, absolutely. You've produced a clutch of Chondros. Um mm-hmm. Just curious, what do you think your your thoughts about Chondro keeping in the United Kingdom? Uh, I think it's going
4: to be dominated by Luca in the, in the next five years. <laughs> I think he's going to have a monopoly on, on everything. Awesome. Um, and... I think he's going to uh, exterminate any um, yellow babies. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, No, uh, seriously, I I think it's going to become more and more popular. Um, And hopefully, once that's started, I think afterwards is when people are going to start uh, streamlining the collections and maybe moving towards pure locality types or design and stuff. I think... It, to kickstart, it's going to be uh, just whatever's available to them, uh, and they'll, they'll start buying things like that. And then afterwards, I think uh, collections will be refined more.
1: So, Luca, we're we're talking about the, uh, you know, we've, See is the future for condor keeping in the United Kingdom, and uh, Gary kind of shared with us he thinks that you're going to pretty much wipe it out. You know, it's going to be very, very, very red baby. If I can produce something, oh, yes. Um. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what, what are your thoughts about the future of uh, condor keeping in the United Kingdom? Well, a lot of
3: people are taken to the designers. As, 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 like I said earlier there's a lot more people buying them now after they've seen the success that we've had with getting them over they know now that the shipping doesn't affect them, they're fine, they settled in really well and so, yeah, so now more people are buying them so I think it's just when people start wanting to spend the money on them obviously people won't start with buying designers obviously, they obviously always start getting the localities and then it all depends on how well they find their experience with them I guess Right. Something, hour, well,
1: out of curiosity,
3: but, what?
1: Just out of curiosity, what is you know? I don't know the market in the UK. What you know? What would a, a, a UK captive corner bed baby you know normally go for uh, on the what, market from the designers? You know, designers or even locality.
3: Uh, I still think we're more expensive than you guys, just for, just basically on the price, and the only conversion rate. I like it whenever I do buy a designer when I get hit with the okay. the cost. I know with the conversion rate, I'm paying a lot less. To me, I perceive it as being a lot less. All right. But yeah, I've well, obviously done the joint pairing with Christian. What about
0: you,
4: bar. Sorry, say sorry again? I'm going to
1: make Forget. so for... You, you, Gary. What about the same question for you? What, uh, you know, you know, I'm not sure. You know, I don't know the market there. But, you know, what, what, what is the price point for a UK captive foreign umbrella? Oh, I, I can't give them away. Um, <laughs> I, I think at the
4: moment, they're uh, just beyond they sort on of Oh no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they kind of range between sort of like 350 pounds uh, to sort of 500 pounds, something like that, um, depending on what it is um, and, and who's selling it, I suppose.
2: Um, and Gary, what about the animals that you're, quote, competing with the imported farm bread or a wild? animals what's the price point on a on a biak that you're going to be competing with at the show tomorrow
4: I mean this is you know kind of the problem is uh people can't seem quite happy to pay those prices at a reptile shop but uh don't seem to be willing to give it to uh, a breeder Um so I mean I like I say the price varies a lot when you go to say Germany hmm. um they seem to be quite cheap. You know, imports are fairly cheap there. Uh, I think when they arrive in England, they uh, they take the labels off and replace them with more expensive ones. Um, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a thing that's been bugging me for a while. It's you know, I don't think that the the monetary difference is is too much between uh, what what gets imported and what's actually produced here. Uh, and when when you think of like a difference in the amount of work that goes in, uh it's unbelievable really. Um
0: sure. you know you can
4: spend a couple of years producing a clutch and you know, be getting the same kind of money for it as someone who placed an order with a shipment coming in from Indonesia. So
0: um Right. It is
4: it's it's quite difficult. Um but you know, hopefully, when, uh, when controls take off and the prices you know, might settle a little bit more. I think in, in the past, uh, they always seem to be uh, fairly stable prices in the UK for green tree pythons. The entire time that I've been keeping reptiles, it seems to have been the same sort of price. And then over the yeah, last couple of years, hasn't,
3: hasn't fluctuated at all.
4: Yeah, until like the last couple of years, you know, a tiny bit of popularity means a lot more imports. Uh, and a few more captive readings. But, um, yeah, it's generally been fairly stable till
2: now. You know, uh, Gary, one thing that I might advise you on with the show and one thing that's helped me as shows is in addition to bringing my babies, I'll bring a sub-adult or an adult animal as well. And oh, okay. um, th- there won't be any of those people that are – they're actively holding their animals uh, that, you know, yeah. a defensive bioc, for example, I, I only see those in their little tubs and people don't want to get them out and mm-hmm. they only get them out if you buy it. And then, you know, they shove it in the tub and send you off with it. But, mm-hmm. you know, the ability to hold a sub animal or to have an adult animal and say, yeah, this is, you know, this is what it's going to turn into. And you can't hold these babies right now because the the tail f- fragility issue uh, but but here you can hold this animal, you know. To me, that's gone a long way in in helping uh, sell babies. Okay. Oh, cool.
4: Well, thank you for that advice. Uh, if I do some more shows, I will definitely take them. Uh, this show, I'm actually um, sharing a table with a friend. He's kindly sublet some of his table space to me. Um, sure. So uh, but I have made a little display cage to take with me to show one of the babies in, you know, a more natural setup. I think that's uh a, I, I feel that's quite important, you know, to get people interested is when they can see them uh displayed rather than I don't think there's anything uh uh sort of less appealing than a green tree pipe and sat in the bottom of a plastic tub uh you know, <laughs> looking like <laughs> a fish out of water.
2: That, you know Absolutely um, Absolutely.
4: Uh, hopefully that that sort of thing will make people think yeah, I'd like something like that in my house
2: Right Fantastic, again we wish you all the luck Thank you very much Buddy, did you have anything else for these, these gentlemen?
1: Um Looking through my questions here, real real quickly. You and we can. We'll start with you first, Gary. Do you have any uh, plans for any breeding projects this upcoming season?
4: Um, No, not this season. the The only pair I have is um, the Aru pair, and uh, I bred them last season. So. Uh, I want to lay the female off for for this season. Um, I'd hoped to get another another female for my male, um, but unfortunately that hasn't happened. Um, the way he acted last season, I could have probably put him to two two or three females. To be honest, uh, could have
0: given him a better uh, life. Well. <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, he's, he's a very eager male.
3: That's a good thing.
4: What about you, Luca?
3: Definitely. I have a couple of mails that could be ready, a couple of designer mails, the first ones I ever got. So it's just, I'll try them in the next couple of months. I'll start calling because apparently, well, weather's supposed to get really bad here soon, so the storms will help. But yeah, hopefully they're ready and figure out what they're doing. Um, And my um, Calico mail that I originally got from Barry. You're
0: Okay, and, and what are your plans for him? Sorry, yeah.
3: Uh, I've got a nice female online from Stephen Dunia, so I'm planning to put him with. She's lucky. She's okay. Unknown what she is, but she's all yellow sides, yellow belly, green with yellow uh, diamonds down her back. So she be really nice. Hopefully that works out. Very nice. And anything else? Uh, I've got a blue line male that I got from Barry also from the joint pairing he done with Chris Sevalero down in Florida, which is he's a Foxy Times Gordon Blue female. So he's exactly the same age. So I'm going to try him also with their cycle. Oh, female. yeah. will both be pretty
1: good pairings. Um, yep, yeah, fingers crossed. Very nice. Okay.
2: How about you guys? Okay. okay. Buddy, what are you buddy, what are you gonna pair this year? Have you decided yet?
1: I'll have a lemon tree. The ox pairing is still going. Um, the male's still breeding the female. She's in the shed though. I don't know whether I missed ovulation on her or not, but um we'll see. So she's in the shed she eats and she sheds really so calico outcross sib pairing. Uh-huh. i are doing a Highland pairing. I've got
3: a Monarch. I'm sorry? Is that from your pairing, your Calicoic? Or what pairing was that? Was that the Hughes, was it? Yeah, Duez. Duez, sorry, yeah. My bad pronunciation. And sprite, of it. yep,
1: yep. So it would and sprite.
3: That's
2: how I pronounce it yep. too, Lucas.
1: And then... um. The other <laughs> <laughs> would be the uh, I've got the Highland pairing, which is a well made of a female, and it's paired with a uh Prada Man I think, Arfa. That's that's an ongoing pairing. I've got
3: competing with Gary.
1: Uh, um, uh, Mike. Yeah, it came from Gary Shiovino, one of his parents. He did so. It's a three-year-old male. He's just a gorgeous animal. Um, yeah, they
3: were really nice. Yeah,
1: very, very nice. And um, the other pairing I have is going to be a my. Animals I produced in 2012 from the book New Blue by Job Mel, And he's going to a female that I produced that was hatched here in 2011. And she's got some mite gazing, they're both red babies. So this would be like a mite a melanistic type pairing or mite gazing type pairing. So I don't have a No, you know, everyone Have a bunch of babies all at once. So, and you know, maybe I'll do a rat snake pairing in the spring. And you, Bill.
2: Um, I'm gonna pair a high yellow male that uh, John Battaglia produced uh, to a (laughs) Bianca female. And uh, then I've got a high blue pairing. I've got a, a a blue deuce female that's ready to to go. She's an all she's an all green snake, but uh, her her father was blue deuce. So I'm going to pair her with uh, a nice blue male that was a joint uh, animal produced by Jason Stevens and Ryan Burke.
3: Um is that the uh,
2: SimBaby baby arfac thermos? Yes. Yes.
3: I got um, a few clutches I had from
2: that. Yes, she laid yeah, she was a beautiful blue uh arfac uh female and uh, she's, she's had some really nice blue uh babies and this this one's pretty nice too. So I'll have those two uh pairings mm-hmm. and then and then I'm actually going to do several Carpondro pairings this year. So that, that's for another show, though.
1: Yeah, do tell. Oh,
2: okay,
1: not I to tell which one?
2: Uh, well, I've got a 75% green tree male okay. that that's going to go with the 50% uh, proven Carpondro female. And then I've got another 75% green tree uh, male that is going to go with an Aru female. Try I to some very uh, good um, at young
3: parents. Because most of us in Europe. They didn't
2: really, well, people said they were in the first half of the clutches. I don't know what You know, it's kind of a, yeah, it's kind of a high risk, high reward uh, deal. I think they it's difficult to get them to go. It's difficult to incubate the eggs. Um, but they're, they're, they're popular over here when it happens. Uh, there yeah. was a local guy. It just seems to be a lot of the time just kind of Dumb luck, I mean, if you just get the right animals together, you can be successful um, and they're still trying to figure out a lot of the genetics like i i've never I've not been able to find anybody that's that's been able to produce uh or has a fertile fifty percent green tree male, but the fifty percent females seem to be fine. I know of a couple of seventy five percent yeah, it's just it's kind of all over the place. There have been some seventy-five percent green tree males that have been fertile. So, uh, it's still a lot of a lot of work to be done uh, on them, and information is is kind of scant. So,
1: so you'll be busy next year.
2: I hope to be busy. Be <laughs> Excellent. Yes. Well, guys, we can't thank you enough for coming on, especially uh, the, considering the circumstances, the uh, the timing and such. Yeah. No,
3: it's my, my pleasure to come on. I'll go uh, for it yeah, yeah. next weekend. It's not a problem.
4: Uh, yeah, the pleasure's all mine, yeah. Thank you very much for having us
2: on. Well, Gary, uh, once again, uh, good luck on the show tomorrow, and uh, I'd like to hear some feedback about how the show goes. So if you could uh, <laughs> yeah. or, uh, message me uh, or make a post on Facebook or something like that.
4: Yeah,
1: yeah, sure. I definitely will, yeah. Likewise. <laughs> I think you're going to do really well tomorrow. A lot of people are probably up listening to the show and listen to this oh, show, yeah. and then tomorrow they're going to go to the Reptile Show and seek you out. And <laughs> yeah. With a rude Yeah.
2: up <laughs> some <laughs> <laughs> maroon.
3: Yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, good luck for tomorrow, Gary.
4: Yeah, thanks a lot, Luca. good problem. deal. Yeah, I have to say as well, before I go, I've been absolutely blown away by losing right,
3: your encyclopedic
4: thanks. knowledge. <laughs> my, my what? Your encyclopedic knowledge of uh, uh. the American bloodlines. Oh, we didn't even get into the calico. Uh,
2: uh, that's good stuff, guys.
1: Yeah, thank you very much
3: for having us. All right. Okay, guys, thank you. Let's do it again. Cheers. Yeah, definitely. We'll try and get some more of the guys on next
2: time. All right. Thank you, guys. Get some rest.
3: Awesome. Thank That's you very fantastic. much. Maybe, I'll maybe speak to we'll, you guys we'll tomorrow. for the day. Thanks, guys. Thanks very
1: much. Okay. See you soon. Very good show, Bill. Very good. All right. Well, that's it. We had a very good show. A couple of guys come, a couple of you keeps coming on from coming on and talk to us about uh, keeping condros in the UK. Even though it's very early in the morning for those guys, the show started for them at 2 a.m. So just give you a reference. If you have some interest in keeping chondros and you need a source, uh, please contact Lucas Seppe or Gary Elliott, and uh, these guys should be able to take care of you. For other uh, other things, thanks. We have uh, a few shows in the work for the uh, remainder of this year. And we're we're actually coming up on year season three year two. Uh, Stay tuned, and we'll keep everyone posted. Thanks for joining us. We will talk to you soon.